with some of the kids knowing uh, the, Tammy's answers during the children's chat, you would have thought they were reading the same book, huh? Turn with me to that book, in, in, to Ezekiel chapter 3, or in that book, to Ezekiel chapter 3. And uh, if you'll look just back into chapter 2 there at the end, that's where we're going to start, is with Ezekiel 2 and 8 and move into chapter 3 to verse 4. So Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, one of the major prophets, which again we talked about meaning not that that he's more important than the others, but rather that he wrote more than the others. And he is one of my favorites, but uh, I do have quite a few favorites. And so he's one of them. However, his story is, uh, is fascinating. I mean, if you, want a, if you want a prophet that is not going to be boring at all, then read Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 8. Notice these words here. <clears throat> but you... And by the way, this is right after Ezekiel's call. If you remember the other week, we, we actually read Ezekiel's call. Uh, now notice these words. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your holy word. We pray now, Lord, a blessing on this word by the power of your spirit. Instruct us, convict us, And give us the power that only you can give, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many find the Bible puzzling. Uh, Many have not read the Bible because they felt it too puzzling. There are many things that, of course, do, in fact, separate us from the text. It's not like reading a modern novel or a comic book, or the newspaper, or watching the news thread across your screen. Uh, The Scripture is something more than that. It's also very far removed from modern times. But, that doesn't make it impossible. And in our day and time in particular, our modern time, we have more resources than any other group of Christians have ever had to study the Bible, to understand the Bible, to put the pieces of the puzzle together to form the picture that God has for us in His Word. G.K. Chesterton at at the turn of the 20th century said this, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. 
many don't even attempt to read the scripture. They would rather someone else do it. They would rather trust someone other someone else's opinion or just think that they know what is in the scriptures. But my encouragement to you today would be to just try it. <laughs> um, what hurt, what harm will come in trying to read the Bible? Uh, to have some kind of consistency, uh, whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes within the day to crack open the bread of life, the word of God that has come from heaven, we believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit himself. Um, don't we give ourselves uh, too much more in this life of other things that we feed upon for our spirit? In other words, don't we consume much more media and all kinds of other, you know, now streaming's huge in our in our culture? Used to, you know, the, the staple item in America was was sort of, you know, sitting around and reading the newspaper, you know. Now it's us sitting around watching television. I don't know what it'll be in the future, but whatever it will be, we will find ways to feed ourselves something to make sense of life. In other words, when crisis hits, as it has recently, when times get tough, as they have been, uh, we turn to something in our life. Whether it's media, which would include TV, music, internet, news, movies, etc. Which, look, I like all that stuff. I too feed upon those things. I mean, if we sat down, we probably have watched some of the same shows and we could talk about that. And I did that recently with a friend and I was all pumped up because he saw what I saw and you know, we, were, we were going back and forth with it. Uh, books. You know, sometimes we, we are deeply influenced by books that are written by other people. And that's okay too. Uh, school. School is a way that we are deeply, I mean, every single one of us have been deeply impacted by our upbringing and education in uh, not only college and university, but also elementary and high school. There are things that, that shaped who we are uh, because of our schooling. Friends, family. Some people, they, they turn to friends, they turn to family when, when they're trying to understand this life. And... Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. It depends on if they're grounded again in the Word. But we feed upon all kinds of stuff. And Ezekiel, notice, is told right after his calling to be a prophet. You remember we talked about how he was a priest. He trained to be a priest. And then he was called to be a prophet to the exiled people. In other words, he actually was going into exile to be with the people of God. He was not staying behind like Jeremiah did. He was not staying behind like Isaiah did. That's what, one of the things that makes Ezekiel so unique. And what he tells us is that God told him to eat the scroll, right? There's this beautiful picture here of a hand being given. There's a scroll in that hand, a book. And he says, eat this book. Eat it. And when he does... Of course, he says it's like sweet honey to him. What kind of diet are you on? We ask that a lot when we're trying to lose weight and stuff, right? But honestly, what kind of diet are you on spiritually? I mean, I know you feed yourself. I don't know your news sources and all this kind of stuff, what you read, but I know you read something. I know you hear things. I know you are influenced by other people's thoughts. I'm just wondering what kind of diet that is. And if that diet is truly based upon the Bible, upon God's Word. It's not just about 
reading it, though. It's about living it, isn't it? You know, uh, if it's like food, like Ezekiel says, if the Word of God to us, the Scripture, the Holy Bible, is like food to us, some of us uh, have eating disorders. Some of us are anorexic. You know the distinctions here with the different eating disorders? Which means we don't eat. Some of us are starving to death for the Word of God. We may not know it. We may try to fill it with all kind of other junk food. But ultimately, we need a good home-cooked meal. I mean, after being at camp, I love that my wife was ready to give me a home-cooked meal. I needed something hand-prepared by her, not just out of a box. Add water to the eggs, right? I needed real eggs. I can do fluffed eggs for a while, but I needed real eggs. Uh, and you know what we need? We need to stop being anorexic, spiritually speaking. We need to feed and diet upon the Word of God. We need it. We need it. Every single one of us need it. Not only that, bulimic. That's a bad one to bring up, isn't it? Well, some of us hear the Word on Sunday. And that's about all we get and we throw it up the rest of the week because we don't actually do it. It never gets metabolized into our system. You see, it's not just about reading it to read it. It's about eating it. And when you eat something, the next process, right, is digesting it. Don't we need the Word of God to be digested into our lives in order to metabolize and give energy to our journey in Christ each and every week? Each and every day. What if you just had to eat? What if you could only just eat once a week? That'd be tough. I was talking to a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a long time, and he had gotten into some bodybuilding and did one of these shows, you know, where they tan up and spray tan and all this kind of They go on this extreme diet. And he said, My wife doesn't want me to do it again. I was like, Really? Why not? He said, Because I was angry all the time. And I was like, Well, oh, because you were hangry, right? He was hungry. And so that made him angry. And so he stayed angry for like six weeks because he was having to measure out everything that he ate. You know what? We can eat this Word and not become obese and fat as long as we actually live it. Again, if we only come to church, if we only read our Bibles and are consuming but never giving, guess what? That also is an eating disorder, spiritually speaking. And I know plenty of people like that in the church. I've lived with them. I have been one of them where we're just all consuming the the religious stuff but never actually moving out into the world to use it. We're not called to be statues. That's not holiness. If you read the lives of the saints, even the saints that are canonized in the Catholic Church, you'll realize that they actually all did stuff. They didn't just go to the desert and, you know, segregate themselves from society. They loved people. They gave themselves to be. In other words, they ate the word, it metabolized and energized them to move toward others in love. Some of us have eating disorders and only God can remedy that. Only the Holy Spirit can give us the kind of appetite for that. Have you ever gone on a diet before and you realized, wow, I was actually eating a lot of junk? I mean, I would just encourage you, like, you know, this is, you're not going to be harmed by this at all. Just actually for one day, 
write down, or there's actually apps and stuff for it now, but just everything you put in your mouth, log it in. Every calorie. It's kind of crazy. You start thinking to yourself, man, I, you know, wow, I do put quite a, maybe that's why, you know, you might, some of you might have a revelation, epiphany, you know, maybe that's why. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. We need to start logging our hours in the Bible. Some of us don't have any log there. It's just blank after blank after blank. And, and, and trust me, this little 20 to 30 minute segment here we have with the Scripture and the readings, the responsive readings we have here on Sunday, that is not enough to carry you through the week. Amen. You must, just as Ezekiel says, I'm saying to you, take this Word and eat it. Now, the Bible says that if we are hungry, if we're thirsty, we can be filled, right? But some of us, sadly, aren't hungry for the Word of God. We're not thirsty for the Word of God. We don't feel like we need the Word of God. Which is why we then don't read and get it in us and then use it in our daily life. And that's a dangerous place to be, let me just tell you. That is a very dangerous place to be where you don't need God's Word. I think Jesus would reserve some of the strongest warnings to people like that. It's the people who knew they needed a Word from God, which inevitably was the sinners, the biggest, if you will, sinners among us, even in Jesus' time. They knew they needed a Word from God. They knew they didn't belong to a family of God. But some of us right here in the family, when we, we're, the table is spread and we say, nah, I don't need anything. I broke up with a girl one time. Ooh, I better be careful with this. <clears throat> recorded. Um, because she spit out my dad's wild uh, hog that he had killed and we, we were all eating it around. She spit it out and said, this is nasty and, and just was repulsed by it. You know what? Some of us, unfortunately, we do the same thing with the Word of God. You say, no, I don't. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm cool with what you do here and all that kind of... Well, you spit it out because you don't do it. It's got to get in us. It's then got to actually be used by us during the week. Live it out. It's not enough just to read it. Do you know that the majority of Christians before the printing press did not have access to a personal Bible? That's why it's not enough just to read the Bible. You say, well, how did they make it? Because they were immersing themselves in small groups and in church because church back then was way different than now. It was the center of town. (laughs) Uh, Not just the place where weirdos go as it's looked today in our modern world. So they had a very different situation. But you know what? We're going to be held responsible for our situation, right? Not theirs. And our situation is, it's on your phone. There's an app, we, we just heard a little minute ago, that will read to you the Word of God. It'll read it to you. One of, one of the guys in my small group at youth camp, he said, I just, I mean, I just don't like to read. Okay, that's fine. You got, you got a smartphone? Oh, yeah, man, you know. 
Okay, well, you got somebody to read it to you then. You're good to go. There is no excuse, my friends. There's no excuse. The reason you don't know the Word of God is because you don't want to. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how else to put it. Um, it's puzzling. But there's a way to actually solve a puzzle, isn't it? Do you know how to do puzzles? I have to do them sometimes with my kids. Even the little ones are tough for me. That's why I don't get into the big, big daddies, you know. But I know some of you actually in, might enjoy putting puzzles together. Here's the way you actually solve a puzzle. First... You spread the pieces out face up. Right? And most Bible readers, they stop there. Because they think of the Bible as just a bunch of different individual stories that really don't form a picture. In other words, most people, when they're trying to first start reading the Bible, they just sort of spread around and jump around and spread it all out. And they say, "Uh it's puzzling. I'm going to leave it at that. And they walk away. They just see it as individual stories that really don't connect, really don't interlock like a puzzle should. But the second thing that you have to do once you've spread those pieces out face up is not just stop there, but you have to, what? Look at the box, right? I mean, anybody with me? Anybody ever done a puzzle? Okay, yeah, let's just, I'm making sure everybody's done a puzzle. I know, I know that's not cool to do for some of you, but, but uh, just follow me here. It's the point to this. Uh, when you look at the box, you then get the overall picture of what this whole thing's about, right? Sort of the framework of what. Do you know where the framework of the Bible is found? Genesis one to three. Three chapters can give you the entire picture of what's going on in the rest of the story. What's going on? God, humans, His world, sin, and salvation. Very clear. If you keep those five things in order and in play as a picture, as you're trying to look for the pieces, you'll begin to put the pieces together. You then find the border pieces, right? I mean, that's the next thing. You look at the picture, then you're like, okay, now let's get all these pictures. So then you find the border because those are the easiest ones, right? <laughs> I'm pretty good at doing that. You know, I like those pieces. Those is a flat edge, right? Those are the easy ones. So you start getting the border pieces, which again is that framework. You start building a theology, a framework of who God is, who we are, what sin is, what God has done to remedy that. And it's all over the Bible. So in every book you read, you start putting those borders up. Building that framework of the overall picture. And then you start interlocking the pieces. So the pieces actually do go together. Now, some pieces, am I right, are more difficult than others, you know? Like if on your thing you've got like this one cloud, oh, that's easy. You know, you start seeing these white and blues. Oh, yeah. Let's, like, but flowers are the worst. I don't know if you've ever done one of those bits, but flowers are the worst. It's like, ah. One time I was doing a puzzle with Jackson. It was just a small puzzle, maybe a hundred-piece puzzle. And I mean, he had, he said, Daddy, I have like three pieces left. I'm like, okay. Uh, I can I can handle this. And it's just 100, 100 pieces, right? You already got most of it put together anyway. So I started trying to push it, and, and nothing fit. I, I, I was just, I was boggled. I didn't know what to do. I was really getting frustrated. And then I realized that he had shoved some pieces in there that didn't fit. So once I took those out and put the right ones in, I was like, oh, well, here we go. Now it fits together. 
You know what? Sometimes in our reading and interpreting, we shove some pieces where they don't go. We misunderstand them. But when we rightly understand them and put them in their proper place, guess what? A picture emerges. And what is that picture? None other than the face of Jesus. None other than God in us by the power of the Spirit. None other than God the Father who loves us and sent His Son and Spirit to us. And so, putting the puzzle of the Bible together is going to take patience. You're not going to read it like a comic book or a graphic novel and be done with it and put it up on the shelf. The people that I trust the most reading the Bible have been at it way longer than I have. They're very old now. And yet they still find mystery and joy and action and hope and love in the words of the Bible. This book will never get old because as G.K. Chesterton says elsewhere, he says there's two things in life that never get old. Stories and people. And guess what the Bible's filled with? Stories and people. It's never going to go away. It is His Word to us and it will never fail and it will never perish. Other things will fail. Kingdoms will fall. Rulers will go away. We will perish, but the Word of God will remain. And so let me give you just some brief outlines. And some of you may want to take notes on this because, quite frankly, you're anorexic. Quite frankly, you've got an eating disorder with the Scripture. When it comes to eat this Word, you're not doing it. Let me just give you a few guidelines, and they're not in any particular order, uh, per se. But reading the Bible should be a form of prayer. In other words, if we are to be praying, then our prayer should extend to actually hearing God has all... You know, people say, I wish God would speak to me. I hear Him speaking to other people, giving them a word. Well, maybe we're not listening. How do we listen? Right here. Put this word in us. Not just read it. Study it. Put it in us. There's a difference. It's not just a task. It's a lifestyle. Prayer is a lifestyle. So it should be a form of our praying. It's God's mind. This is God's mind. Written out in words. Jesus is God's mind in a human person. So He not only gives us a text message, but He shows up Himself. But we only know that through the text message, don't we? And the pictures that emerge are only there once we put the puzzle pieces together. And might I add this too? There are plenty of resources to help you put the puzzle pieces together. Not only in this church, but in the books that I could suggest to you. In the free online resources that you can tap into. Now I know, especially the engineers, and I know we always, but this is an engineering mecca, so the majority of people are engineers in Huntsville. But if you're an engineer or even have that kind of mind or live with one, you know that when we go buy something, they're going to review it. They're going to look at the reviews. They're going to study it before they make their purchase. Amen? Amen. Sometimes incessantly study, right? <laughs> now, what if we turn that energy 
to discovering the Bible and what it means. If we research cups, weed eaters, lawn items, or furniture, could we not take some time also to research the Word of God? We've got to practice it. It's funny, Jackson is quite the reader. And I would like to say that, um, you know, he picked it up from me, but I don't know that he did. He may have picked it up from his mother because she likes to read too. But uh, Jackson has read quite a list of books that I, I would have never even been on my radar, uh, much less. But what I've noticed happens, because I constantly tell him as the firstborn, he is the leader of the other guys. They're going to follow suit with him most of the time, except for those who create anarchy. There are some. Mutiny. A coup, right? Uh, but what has happened is Baylor now has started reading. Now, I don't know if it's because of competition, because DAG people are somewhat competitive. So if Jackson's reading and we're praising him, then guess what? Frank starts reading and praise, we praise him. Baylor starts reading and we praise him. Or maybe it's just that he wants to stay up at night, but nonetheless, he reads at night with a light on and he likes it. So he says. Now what's happened is Bo, who is my five-year-old, he can't read. But guess what he's doing over there? He's got his light on. He's got a book. He's doing his finger across the words like that. I say, I say baby, what, what, what are you reading? I say, Jessica, does he know how to read? I can't keep up with everything all the time. She says, no. And he says, Daddy, I'm following every single word. i got to read my book. Now he can't even read and yet he's practicing reading. We say, oh, I can't understand the Bible. Have you even practiced it? Not only that, the Bible leads us to God's grace. So a guideline is, if you want to receive God's grace, if you want to so to speak, get wet with God's grace. Don't just stand by the waterfall and feel the mist. Get under it. Get under the teaching of this Word. Some of you get splashed here and you're like, man, that was a good Word. That was a good word. Well, you can have that good Word on Monday. You can have that good Word on Friday. Because the Word that I bring to you comes from this Word. When I stand behind this sacred desk, or whoever does, we're speaking from this Word. Not our word only. And you can have that word. If you don't believe it, just try it. Now, there's much more we can say, but here's where I want to land. And I heard this and it was very helpful to me. Because many people said to me, hey, when I was younger, they said, hey, you've got to get up in the morning, pray, and read your Bible very early. Um, I heard a guy say one time, and it was, again, very helpful to me, and I'll say it to you. He said, give God the best part of your day. Now, for some of us, that is the morning. If I were to visit you in the morning, you'd be chipper and whatever else. Some of you wake up like Ty. Ty doesn't wake up very well. He comes in there mad and angry, and it takes him a while to get cranked up. Uh, And so the best part of your day is not going to be the morning. Doesn't God need our best? Yes. Not our leftovers, but our best. Maybe the best of your day is midday. 
And maybe at your work, if you could take a break, that's when you need to actually crack open the Word of God. I know you're cruising Facebook. I know you're cruising Instagram. I know you're cruising Drudge Report and other apps. Why not cruise through the Scriptures? I'm just offering some guidelines to help those who have eating disorders with the Bible. I want to offer you a way of reading the Bible that maybe you've never thought of before or heard of before. And there are many ways. There's academic ways and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and that's not the best way to read the Bible is academically. You may think that's the coolest way to read the Bible is to dissect it, but that is not the way to read the Bible that is best for a Christian. In other words, you don't have to know all the archaeology, the Sitzim Laban, and all the context and all the big words that you know, would confuse us all. You don't have to know all that. All you've got to do is know how to read. And this is normally written at about a 6th grade, 5th grade level or less in English. And it's called Lectio Divina. It's Latin for divine reading. It's very simple. All that is needed is for you to be able to read the Bible, meditate upon what you've read, pray upon what you've read, and then contemplate it through the day in your different activities. So it's really a, just a four-step thing. And, and we're going we're gonna to be having a small group that deals with this later where we're going to dive into some of this and bring our, our uh, reports and, and readings and meditations to each other. But read it, meditate upon it, pray over it, and then contemplate it throughout the day. In other words, don't just read it and forget it, but read it and let it inform how you deal with the guy in the next cubicle. Let it inform how you treat the person that you're going to see at lunch and is going to serve you. Let it inform how you go and visit your family or go on vacation or view your life throughout the week stuck at home with kids. I read an article entitled How a Busy Mom Can Stay Consistent in the Word. And I've got one of those busy moms around my house. She said, this lady said, see the need. Which is what we talked about, right? You've got to first see the need. You need a strong why. Why are you doing this? Why do I need the Word? Have realistic expectations. Don't come out here, don't come out of this service and say, I'm gonna, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible for two hours a day. You know what? Not for, not for a consistent long time you won't. But you know what you can do? Read it for ten minutes a day. Grow from there. Remember how things always start out small and then grow to big? The enemy will use these big dreams that are unrealistic. Have realistic expectations. Say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to read for 15 minutes in the morning or midday or at night. Not only that, make a plan. If you don't have a plan, guess what? You're not going to succeed. If you aim at nothing, you're probably going to hit it. Which is where most of us have been for a while. You've got to aim for something. So make a plan. Resist the temptation to compare yourself to others. You say, well, so-and-so understands the Bible way better than I do. Well, that's okay. You're not so-and-so. You're not going to be judged by so-and-so's expectations. You're going to be judged by you. And your abilities and time and motivations and heart. And then trust God that He will actually speak to you and do His work in your life which He absolutely will. Amen.
If we'll do our part, He will meet us in a way that we've never expected. And it'll be something beautiful. What if we were known as a church who were people of the Word? Wouldn't that be something awesome? What if, what if people could just understand that you had been with God because you had been in His Word and let His Word get in you? You see, in order to put the puzzle pieces together, once we do that, once we spend the time, practice, do these things to get in His Word, we will see God. And when we see God, it will be an opportunity to know God and to love God and then love others because that's what God is about. That's who He's for, others. We'll get His heart. We'll understand His mind. We will be reading what our commander sends down to us and downloads to us in our own hearts. Do you need a word from God? I know I do. This message is for me just as much as it is for you. You might have thought I was getting on to you. I'm getting on to me. Let's help each other. Let's find ways to spur each other on, especially with the Word of God. Amen.